Hello, friends. Hello. It's always the check to see who's like actually paying attention. Hello. Um, you know what? Let's actually just golf clap or clap or say thank you to the band. You, know, you can sort of. You know, this is, it's a picture of the church, and that's the thing. We've got to get our minds out of this mindset of you, that I can come and consume, and then you put on a performance. This is the church. That's the church right there doing what they do, their talents, the things that they can do, and say, okay, I can play the keyboard, so I'm going to do that for God. And that's what, that's what this needs to be about. And uh, Peter's gone today, so I get to share what's on my heart, and it's sort of fun to be able to sort of just... Just, they say, just talk what's on your heart. And I'm like, all right, it's great. So I'm excited about telling you what's been going through my head. And it's sort of along those same lines. And here's the question that I have for you. And you can't uh, point fingers at people or nudge people or answer out loud because I don't, it won't be good, okay? But here's my question for you. When you wake up in the morning, you go, oh, I forgot it's Sunday. Oh, man, we got to go to church. Is your reaction Oh, if my wife wasn't so into Jesus, if my husband wasn't so into Jesus, I wouldn't have to come. And I'm oh, just or or if you're forced to come here as a student, and you're like, man, my parents make me come here. Is that how you feel on Sunday mornings? Because if it is, I want to tell you that from what I believe and what I've kind of learned is that you are observing the church. You've come up these steps, you've come in these doors, but I feel that you are just observing the church. You're sitting there, but your heart's not in it. Okay, I'll tell you why this, I feel like this is important in a second. Because here's my second question. In the morning, when you say, oh yeah, it's church, do you think, okay, well, you know what? I'm gonna walk through what I have done for the last 25 years, which is I'm gonna wake up early. I'm gonna listen to worship music on Sundays, which I never really listened to, but I'm gonna do it on Sunday to kind of get me in the mood. For church, I'm going to cut my check for 10% of my gross income because that's what I feel God wants me to do. And I'm going to put it in the offering plate. Now, Peter says, go down and have a donut. So I'm going to go down and have a donut. I'm going to shake the hands of three people. Does it become like a routine? Because that starts to look a lot like religion. Kind of just going through the routine, the same thing week after week after week. That starts to look ugly. And for you, if you're in here, I would say that you're interacting with the church, but your heart's still not in it. You're interacting, sure, you're shaking hands, you're doing your thing, but you're interacting. The reason why I bring that up is because I feel like everyone's looking at the church right now, not our, well, our church and everyone else across America, across this world, saying, is the church a group of people that are passionate, that are sharing the same heart, that are encouraging each other? What are they about? Because most of the time people come in these doors and they're like, well, this is what I've done for the last 25 years or I don't want to be here. And then they go to their cubicle at work and they're like, well, what'd you do? Well, I had an awesome time Saturday, but Sunday, ugh, I go to church. And then people start thinking, well, that, is, is that church? Is that what these people do? And it doesn't matter if you're there because I'm glad you're here because I believe that even if you're here observing or if you're walking through the motions, whatever your intentions, whatever you're here for, I believe that God is so good that, hey, I'm glad you're here and I hope that you get that picture. I hope that you see us as a community that just loves and encourages one another so that when we see people, we're like, Josh, 
my friend Josh back there. When I, get, when I hear about Sunday, I'm like, Sunday, sweet, I get to see Josh. I haven't seen Josh all week, but I know that Josh just got a new job. How is Josh doing? And I get to connect with Josh. And it becomes this community of encouragement. And then you start to hear about people like Francis. Like there's a girl in, in our youth group that her, her, lost her dad. And then you, you start to just have this connection where it's a community where you're sharing the same heart. And you're like, man, I've been praying for you. And then you just get together and you say, oh, you're a Christian too? Man, that's awesome because I love Jesus as well. And so we got this in common. And, and my hope is that our church, we can be a church that's full of encouragement. And we, that's how we do it. And I hope that that's what you come here and that's what you get from this. In fact, that's, you know, that's my role. My role as a pastor of Francis when she's up here talking, and when, especially with Peter because he's up here 99% of the time, is our role is to encourage you. That word is like super important encouragement because all we're supposed to do as pastors is we can put on this awesome music uh, show. We can use slides. We can use stories. We can use our gifts and God has given us those things. But it all comes down to this book to encourage you to say, this book, what's in here is absolutely beautiful and vital to your life. And I want to encourage you with what's in this. What's in this? Be encouraged about what's in this book. But what happens is, most of the time, we default to this. We don't choose it, but we default into the sense that the pastor, the guy that's up here, is like our priest. And a lot of religions, almost all religions are going to have somebody that sort of hears from their God and and then passes it on to the lay people, the people that, that God doesn't speak to. So there's this sort of this priest, and then they give it to the people. And we default to this in the church because God has done this before, and we know that. He used to speak to people called priests, and, and it was funny. At one point, they used to wear this uh, square on their chest with these rocks in it, and they would like, kind of like glow, and that's how like, God spoke to people. I mean, God has used incredible people to speak to people, and we're going to talk about that today. But we can't let our church become, revolve around me, Francis, or Peter, and that we're going to hear from God, and then we're going to pass it on to you. Because it creates a culture here and in churches that people say, I'm going to just consume. Just tell me what you want me to do. Be the priest. Tell me what God is saying so I can just come in here, tell me where to write my check, how much, you know, where I should volunteer, where I should get involved, set things up for me, introduce me to someone because I don't know how to build community. And it just revolves around this idea that we're some sort of priests. When all we're supposed to do is open this up and say, you know what, guys, we got to love each other. In this book, this is it. And let me encourage you with it. You see, we can't become priests. I sit, I usually sit like right here in the first service, um, on, on this service here. Um, and, you know, we kind of get this idea where we take out our spiritual battery. And we just kind of hold it up to Peter and we just kind of go, Peter, charge me up. And then Peter just like pours his heart out here and you know that. He's like, Aah! and then we walk out of here on Sundays and we're just like, whoa, Peter is amazing. And then like Monday, you're like, yes, Peter, Tuesday, you know, Tuesday, you know. And what Peter's talking about, I'm not saying it revolves around Peter, but I'm saying we get this charge from the person up here and we get excited about what the message is. But then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it starts, you start to forget it and you're like, oh yeah, Friday, Saturday. And then by Saturday, you're just like, oh. I forget what Peter said. Oh. Because we're reliant on sort of a priest. We're reliant on somebody 
But the deal is, is that when God said, I'm going to send my son and he's going to die for you, did you know that one of the biggest aspects of that is that Jesus sits in between us and God and made it possible that we have communication with God and God communicates with us and it says that we are all priests. Isn't that crazy? That every single person in this room is a priest. Seriously, you are a priest and God is talking to you. And so today, I, I know a little bit about this, this, uh, this, sort of this topic, this idea, and we're going to look at one part of this. And it's how we hear from God. So we're going to learn how to be priests so that when Monday comes by, you're not thinking back to, oh, let's think back to Sunday. Let's think back to the sermon. Let's think back to that. Great. I hope that encourages you, but I hope that's not your sense of saying, okay, that's how I get recharged. So that Monday comes, Tuesday comes, you're reading in here, you're talking to God, you're your own priest. You're, you're excited. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You come around to Sunday, you're like, well, well, this is just my community. This is my life. And so we're going to talk about how to become priests today in one aspect. And so let me pray and then we're going to tell you a story, okay? God, thank you so much for the people in this room. And I know that most of the people in this room are here because it's encouraging to them. And I know that they're trying to be an encouragement to people. And it's just good. I know it. But I also know that there's people in here that would rather not be here. Or they're just going through the motions. And, and that's good too because, I mean, where are we going to start? We're going to start by showing up here. And, and God, I just pray for everyone that you're just going to show up here. And we know that you are. So we just trust that. In Jesus' name, amen. So my two favorite people in the Bible are Nehemiah and Elijah. And there are two different types of personalities there, but this Bible says that they're both people just like us. In fact, in Hebrews, it says that, that Elijah is a man just like us. Not in that he was just sort of the super spiritual being that God used, but he had arms and legs like us, but that he had emotions, he had fears, he had desires. So he was exactly like you and me. Okay, and uh, I'm going to tell you a story about Elijah, and it's probably the story that you're going to, if I say Elijah, you say, oh, it's that story, the one I'm going to tell you. Or when I start to tell you the story, you're going to go, oh, okay, I didn't know that, but that's Elijah, okay. Because it's a really uh, common story, and you've heard it a lot. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to put the uh, reference up here. I'm giving you a lot of information, but I'm just, I'm just laying it out there. Being a Berean is somebody that goes home. They say, well, I'm going to listen to you, Jay. I'm going to listen to this story. I'm going to trust you. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to look in this Bible here. And I'm going to look up this scripture, 1 Kings 18, 17 through 40. And I'm going to make sure that you're telling me the truth. Please do that. Please do it when I'm up here. Please do it when uh, Peter's up here. Uh, when Francis. <laughs> Francis. When Francis is up here, do that because you know what? Don't rely on us as, as we're hearing from God and we're the priests. Again, go back to this book, read it. But here's the deal. For sake of time, I'm just going to kind of tell you the highlights of this story because it's going to get really long. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. So I'm going to tell you the basics. But that's the reference. This is where we are. We're in 1 Kings. It's the Old Testament. Here's the deal. Elijah was one of these people that God did speak through. God told Elijah things and Elijah gave it to the people of Israel. He said this is what God was God is saying. Now the problem with Elijah is that is not with Elijah but during Elijah's time is that Israel the people that God, that Elijah was supposed to be talking to from God Israel had given up on their God our God Yahweh okay they said we're done with that. The reason is is because 
they were following a God named Baal. Now, Baal was just sort of idolatry. It was a God that they made up. Now, it was an ugly situation because actually the king of Israel at the time married a gal, which was already, God said, don't do this for this very reason. Don't marry someone outside of Israel because they're going to bring other gods in. Sure enough, this gal named Jezebel brings in this God named Baal and, uh, and says, we're going to start worshiping Baal. And she gets like 450 prophets together to lead the people of Israel to worship Baal. Okay, and Baal is just this ugly situation where people are offering and sacrificing their babies, killing them for Baal. Okay, and Elijah's like, are you kidding me? You have left God for Baal? Well, he finally walks into this town and it's a great story. He goes, okay, we're going to settle this once and for all. Bring all of Israel up to this mountain, bring the 450 prophets and we're going to settle it. Sure enough, all of Israel comes up to this mountain. 450 prophets of Baal, and Elijah says this, we're going to have a contest, okay? We're both going to build an altar. I'm going to build an altar to God. You're going to build an altar to Baal. We're going to put some wood on it. You're going to sacrifice a bull. I'm going to sacrifice a bull. Then you're going to call on your God to bring down fire to burn up your sacrifice. I'm going to call on my God to bring down fire and burn up the sacrifice. And whoever, uh, whosoever God shows up with fire, then that's, that's the real God. Well, everyone thinks that's great because Israel has just always been a people, it seems like, and we all are. It's just we're sitting on the fence like, mm, all right, yeah, if I see fire, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. So, the, so Israel's in. The, the prophets obviously believe that Baal's going to show up. Elijah thinks that God's going to show up. So the situation starts. He says, you go first. So Baal, the, the 450 prophets of Baal are over here and they start building this altar. They put the wood on there. They put the sacrifice of the bowl on there. And then they start the routine. Bell, 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 please send the fire, please send the fire. And then, and Baal's not showing up, right? There's no fire coming from, from the sky. Come on, Baal, come on, Baal, please, we need you. And Elijah, this is what's great, and this is why I know Elijah is really like, just like us, is because Elijah's not this spiritual person over here going, oh God, just, oh, help those 450 prophets of Baal to understand that you are God and that they need to turn from Baal. He's not doing that. In fact, he's instigating them saying, why don't you guys call louder because I think Baal is probably on vacation and that's why he's not showing up. And it says that he said, oh, you know what? Maybe he's out going to the bathroom. He'll be right back. So hold on. Okay, wait a little longer. Oh, scream a little louder. Maybe he's asleep. So Elijah's totally just, just making fun of these people. Well, these people are just getting into it, and they're like, like just ripping their clothes and like dancing around, and like, Baal, send fire! And they're like cutting themselves and like bleeding all over the altar. Come on! Well, it gets to be about noon, and Elijah's just like, well, I guess I've had my fun, you know? And he's like, just stop, okay? Stop. It's my turn. And so he looks at this historic altar that Israel's supposed to be using, and he rebuilds it because it was broken down. He rebuilds it, puts the wood on there, puts the, the bowl, cuts it up. It's the sacrifice, puts it on there, and he says, back up. Get the kid out of there, back up. It's going to get serious. And he goes, God, show Israel that you're the one God. Show yourself right now. Boom! And fire just comes out of the sky. Oh, there's the picture there. That grainy shot. That's a real shot right there, too. It's a real picture. <laughs> That's why it's bad quality. But, uh, but fire just falls out of the sky and just eats up the altar, eats up the wood, eats up the sacrifice. And Elijah's like, yeah, see? And Israel's like, well, they're sitting on the fence and they're like, okay, that makes our mind up. All right, all right, that's great. And, the, and then, and then the, the 450 prophets of Baal are like, whoa, that's incredible. 
So what I was thinking is since we're all priests and we have communion with God and we need to hear from God and God's speaking to us, I thought, you know what? We're going to build an altar today. So under this magnificent um, sheet of my bed um, is an altar. We're going to try it out, okay? So you guys ready? Okay. Here it is. It's not really that big. I was going to actually use big rocks and build an altar, and I thought, no, I'm too lazy to do that. So uh, this is my altar, if you can see that. That cow on there is my son's cow. And even though I'm from the Midwest in the farm fields, I'm not quite sure if that's a bull. I don't know if a Jersey cow can be a bull. I don't know. It has one horn because one's bit off. Anyway, here's the deal. I'm semi-joking about this, but I'm also going to be serious, okay? We're going to put it here, and I'm going to see if we put this here. I'm going to see if God answers by fire, because I actually have a real situation in my life where I need to start making some decisions about some things. So I figure if I call on God and he sends in fire from these windows, might even come through the ceiling. I mean, who knows? Watch out. That if fire shows up, I know it's a yes. So here we go. Watch out. You might get the heat, okay? Might get you guys. Hold on. Okay. God, if you, bring, if you send the fire, I know it's a yes. If you don't, it's a no. I hope it's a yes. Do you hear anything? No. I don't hear any fire coming. God, come on, come on, come on. Bring the fire, please, please, please. Please bring the fire. I need a sign. I need to know. I need it clear. Isn't that what we do all the time in our lives? I purposely made this small because I kind of wanted the idea if we pulled it out of the back pocket. We walk around as Christians and people that want to know about God and we say, well, I got to make a decision. Should I marry this person? Well, God, send fire down. And I just need a very clear sign if I should marry this girl, if I should marry this guy. Send me fire. I don't know. I need fire. Okay. Well, you know what? My marriage is falling apart, and I don't know if I should stick around with my husband or if I should stick around with my wife. I don't know. God, send me fire. I'm stuck in prostitution or homosexuality. I'm finding all sorts of gratification and in food and buying things, and, and this is my life. I, can you just send fire and make it clear of how I should live my life? And it looks a lot like these 450 prophets of Baal were over here just like, come on, come on, make it clear, send the fire. And that's what we do. We want God to just show up in fire in amazing ways and make things clear, don't we? So the problem here is that most people forget the second part of this whole story. So they say, okay, well, God sent down fire, and everyone, yeah, and, then, and that's where we stop. Well, the second part of the story picks up in 1 Kings 19. Again, I'm not going to read all this, but go home and check it out, okay? Now, what happens is, is after God sends down this fire, Elijah says, Israel, grab your knives. Israel says, okay. They say, chase down the 450 prophets of Baal and kill them. Well, sure enough, Israel like chases after the prophets of Baal, chase them down into a valley, and the Israelites kill all the prophets right there. Well, Jezebel, that's her people. That's her friends. That's everything she's about. 
all about these prophets and all about this idol Baal. So she finds out that Elijah told the Israelites to go kill her prophets. So she sends a letter to Elijah saying, Elijah, and I don't know how to phrase this the best to, to, to convey how crazy it was, but she said, Elijah, you will be dead tomorrow at this time. I guarantee it with my life. So Elijah goes, what? You're married to the king, so I know you're powerful. And like, you can really kill me. I'm out of here. Just like, after this amazing experience, just takes off running. Now, the thing is, we're going to skip over some big parts of this story, this process of him running, because we need to get to one point in the story. Now, it's really important. It's really cool. If you check it out, the angel of the Lord shows up. We believe that's Jesus. I mean, this is an awesome story. But for us to understand how to be priests today, we got to understand that Elijah gets fearful just like how we would, just like us. He's a man just like us and takes off running. Well, he runs, 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 running from Jezebel, doesn't want to die, finally gets to a cave and he's like, ah, ah, ah. And God says, he comes to Elijah and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah goes, oh, oh, remember when you sent the fire on the altar? Yeah. Oh, I told the Israelites to kill the prophets and, and then they took them down to a valley and killed them. And I don't know if it was a good idea, but I told them that. And then, and then Jezebel found out, oh, and then she said she's going to kill me. And I know she could because she's the queen. And oh my goodness, she's going to kill me. So I had to run and I'm so scared. And I'm the only one who loves you in all of Israel. <sighs> and God goes, Elijah, go outside this cave and I'm going to come to you. Well, Elijah knows all about Moses, knows all about the amazing things that's got, how God has shown up in a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire leading Israel. He knows all about Abraham. He knows all about the things that God has already done crazy things through him. Fire from heaven. So he knows if God's going to show up, wow. So he goes outside this cave and he stands there. Wow, okay. God's going to show up. Burning bush? I don't know. We'll find out. All right. All of a sudden, there's this wind. Like, starts spitting rocks at him, you know, like Colorado, and the sand's hitting you, and you're like, whoa. And, and the wind, wind can actually be pretty incredible. The, 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 the strongest wind gust was 253 miles an hour in Australia from a hurricane. And, uh, and so, you gotta imagine that Elijah's out there, and this wind starts coming, it starts breaking apart the mountain, the Bible says. Rocks are breaking apart, it's blowing rocks. Dirt's blowing around, sticks, everything. he's saying, God, this is incredible. This is powerful. This is clearly you. God, where are you? Where are you, God? This is crazy. And the wind stopped, and it said that God wasn't in the wind. Elijah's like, what? And that was pretty powerful. Well, after that, he's standing there and the ground starts shaking, starts breaking apart around him. Whoa, earthquake! And earthquakes can be pretty powerful too. The 1960 Great Chilean earthquake was the highest magnitude at a 9.5. 
And, um, and so you've got to imagine that, that Elijah is standing here and his, his world's just shaking and the earth's going, whoa, God, whoa, I bet you're just coming down the mountain, just bringing all your power and this is incredible. And God, where are you, God? Whoa, this is an earth, whoa, God, whoa. And then it stopped and it said that God wasn't in the earthquake either. Hmm, I thought that was pretty clear. So he's standing there and then all of a sudden this smoke and it gets in his eyes and, oh, and, and we know a little bit about fires up here in Evergreen. I had a grass fire by our house recently and it was like the first time I ever seen anything like that because I'm from the Midwest. And so, I, you know, it was scary. Like it was just a grass fire, but there's tons of smoke and ashes falling. And uh, in 1825, uh, Justin wanted me to point out that this is not an actual shot because they didn't have color in 1825 and they didn't probably have an aerial shot. So... But in 1825, the whatever, <laughs> that, that word there, fire in Maine and New Brunswick, uh, burned three million acres. And so if you imagine forest fire and Elijah's standing there and he's like, God's going to show up. And he knows that God has shown up in fire a lot before him. And he's like, whoa, this is incredible. And there's like stuff in my eyes and ashes falling on me and smoke. And then all of a sudden the ground just bursts into flames, all the grass. And then, and then pine trees just burst into flames and black smoke. Whoa, God, this is incredible. You got to be here. Now this is, this is clearly you, God. God, where are you? God. And it says that God wasn't in the fire either. Then it said that there came a gentle whisper. And Elijah just threw his coat over him from the whisper. And I read that and I'm like, seriously, a whisper? After wind and earthquake, fire? That's what sort of breaks him down and throws his coat over him? A whisper? Now see, whispers can be good and bad. Okay, um, so they can be pretty powerful. My mom had a powerful whisper, okay? Me and my brother are like one year apart. And so we were at church growing up like, I mean, all the time we were at church. And so sometimes they wouldn't have childcare and we'd be sitting in like sort of the main service like this and we were just like 10 year olds, whatever. And we'd be sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, the dude in front of us has a comb over to cover his bald spot, but one of the hairs is way over here, you know? And then his ear hair is like sticking out like that. And me and my brother are like, you know, we start laughing. And we're like, ooh, and that's, that's always the worst in church because your like stomach muscles tighten up. And all you need is like the relief for like two minutes to just laugh and then you'll be fine. But we're like, ooh, we're like 10 and we're like goofing around and he's laughing and I'm laughing. And he's laughing more. So I'm laughing more. Ooh. And then all of a sudden my mom would like grab my leg, which she always grabbed like right where it's ticklish on your knee, which didn't help. But she would grab me. She'd say, gee. Nathan, pull yourself together now. We sit there. That's a pretty powerful whisper, right? <laughs> but whispers can be so beautiful and good too. When my wife would come up and whisper in my ear, I love you. Wow, that's great. She's across the room and then she winks and whispers. It's really good. Then you, wow, yes, that's good. Well, see, if we think about God showing up in a whisper, then we would assume that it's going to be the type of whisper 
based on our experience, our baggage in church, we would assume that God, when we don't know what God said to Elijah, but we would assume, most people would, that God came up to Elijah and whispered, Elijah, pull yourself together now. Why are you running away? You're embarrassing me. I am in control. Can't you see that? And then, and then you would kind of get this response. And isn't this, the, isn't this the response of people that have been hurt by church? Oh, I know, God, I'm such an idiot. I just can't do things right. But we don't know what God said to Elijah. But I can tell you, if I know anything about God's heart, if I know anything, I'm guessing that Elijah's standing there and he's to death. He's scared to death about what's going on. But God says, you know what? I'm going to whisper to him. I'm with you. I was with you back there. I'm with you wherever you go. I love you right where you are. I'm thrilled by you. I care about you so much. I just love you. And isn't that the response sometimes that we get to when we hear those kind of whispers? We just want to, I can't believe that, you know, yes, you're right, God. I'm so sorry. I love you. And so comforting. And the thing is, I know 125% that God is whispering to every single person in this room right now. 100%, 125%. I know that God is whispering to you right now. But here's the deal. Whispers are hard to hear, right? You start whispering, they're hard to hear. So the thing you have to do is listen and get quiet. And it's really difficult, but I want to tell you about a story about a process of listening, okay? And there's many people that are, most people are smarter than me, so they understand, they can put all the scientific things together and understand about distraction and all that. But here's the deal. There's a process to listening, and there's a process from hearing from God, okay? You want to hear God whisper to you? You want to hear what he is whispering to you? You have to go through this process. Now, I went through a process. In college, I was a, uh, a camp counselor for two summers. And then the week before the kids would, would, would get there, and we'd start our whole summer of kids, we'd always have this, like, training week, all right? They'd get out the air horn. Ah, one honk means that there's danger weather. Go back to your cabin. Ah, ah, two honks mean it's time for breakfast. Three, ah, ah, ah. Time for lunch. Four, ah, 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 dinner. Five, ah, ah, kids drowning, run to the lake. Six, ah, 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 you know, whatever. And so like, I'm trying to remember all this and I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then like you have to learn how to jump off the, jump into the, the deep water and scissor kick to be a lifeguard so then you can like save the kid. And, and like, I'm failing all that stuff. I'm, I'm getting pulled out because they're saving me because I'm just like, I'm the worst counselor. I know how to be goofy with kids. I knew how to play with them, have a good time with them, talk to them, but I didn't know how to do all this stuff. So I'm sort of freaked out. Well, the last night of this preparation week, they say, we're going to take you, it's, it's nighttime. We're going to take you out on this loop and every hundred yards, we're going to drop you off and you're going to spend an hour with God. Well, I'm thinking, oh man, how did, how did I get into this? How could I get out of it? Maybe if I told the nurse I had a headache, I could spend the time in the nurse's station. Well, because I didn't, an hour alone, an hour with God, how's that going to look? I didn't like the outdoors. I still don't like the outdoors. I like it about like that much because I like snowboarding. I don't want to be out in the trees, right? 
So I'm going into this whole thing like, oh man, are you kidding me? So we jump on this wagon, they're dropping people off, and one of the last person, people on there, I'm like hanging on, don't let me go, and they're like, no, go. And then so I, sit, I, I get out there, again, I'm like, oh man, I know about wolf spiders, and I know about ticks, and I know about rat snakes, because that's what they're talking about. So meanwhile, this is the start of my hour. I'm thinking this, and my hour starts ticking away with God. Well, I start grabbing these sticks and I'm starting to poke things, you know, like keep things away from it. I'm like, ah, mosquitoes are out here. And, and I start like whacking trees, Wha-bam! you know, because if you're a guy, like you're just smacking leaves and And meanwhile, my hour with God is just ticking away. Wha-bam! 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 And I'm thinking, well, that girl was, she was cute at lunch, yeah. She was good, yeah, okay. All those tacos are real good, man. Wow, those tacos are good. I hope they have those. Meanwhile, this hour with God is just ticking away in my brain. I'm thinking, oh man, these crickets are loud. Jeez. And so my hour is ticking away. This is my process of spending an hour with God. So finally, I just sit down. and I'm just like, oh, okay, I just give in. Well, let's see what happens. My eyes, my eyes start to get used to the dark. And I look up and I, and I see like these tall pine trees and just shooting up around me, these just dark shadows. And I see these stars and I'm like, whoa, there's no city around here. You can really see the stars. Wow. And I was just amazed. I was just like looking at them. And my, meanwhile, my hour is just kind of going by. And finally, I just say, God, I don't know how to be a camp counselor. I'm failing everything. I mean, I know how to be with kids. And I don't know how it looks. I, you know, it, I wouldn't put it, put it past God to whisper to you audibly, but it was in my heart. I just felt like God was saying, Jay, I'm going to be the camp counselor. You don't have to be the camp counselor. You don't have to protect these kids. I'm going to protect these kids. I'm in control here. It's okay. I'm with you. I love you. And then pretty soon I see these lights from the tractor, and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? My hour is up? Well, it was this process of, uh, it was going through this process of finally getting to the point where the crickets disappear, when the thoughts in your head disappear, when your eyes start getting used to things, when you realize that things aren't around you. When going through this process, I finally get to the point where I'm just like, okay, God, I can hear you whisper. It's finally quiet. And so what I want you to do, now we're not going to do anything real emotional, no altar call, to raise your hand, no whatever, okay? But if you close your eyes, because I want you to think about something, and I think that if we close our eyes, it might help you internalize and think about yourself. And I'm just going to ask you two questions, and it's probably only going to take about 30 seconds. But my first question is, I really believe that God is whispering to everyone in this room. I really do. But a question that you might have to ask God is, God, I need help hearing that. If you're whispering to me, if Jay's right, if, if you're really whispering to me, my life is way too complicated, going way too fast to be able to hear a whisper. God, can, I need to hear it. But where probably most of us are is we already know what God's whispering. We already know that he's whispering it's okay. I'm with you. You're not alone. I love you. Or he's whispering, you know what? It's finally time to stop walking in these doors 
and sitting here and expecting someone to just tell you what to do and you want to just join not our group you want to be a Christ follower you know you're ready to say you know what this is it I'm in I'm in and so we know some of those whispers and so my challenge to you is maybe you need to act on some of those things If you can look up here, this, we're talking about whispers, and this right here is the greatest whisper ever. Right here, this is the greatest whisper. Because everyone was expecting in Israel 2,000 years ago, they were expecting a savior that was gonna march into Jerusalem with fire and an army and an earthquake and wind and power. And then there was this whisper in a, in, a, in a barn where Jesus came as a whisper among shepherds and he lived a life that was like a whisper. And even in his last week, they're like, okay, now's the time, right? Jerusalem, like, bring it in. It's like, no, you know what? My body is gonna be like a whisper. And you know what? It's just gonna be me on a lonely cross my body's going to be broken like this for you friends but it's going to be like a whisper and it's going to grow and you know what the crazy thing that Jesus knew going into this is that um, is that he knew that the whisper that he was giving was the most powerful thing ever he knew that his whisper was gonna feel like fire. And he knew that his whisper was gonna feel like a mighty wind just tearing your, your world apart. He knew that it was gonna feel like an earthquake. And so this whisper today is for you. And uh, you know, we're talking about maybe hearing that whisper. We're gonna ask you guys to come up here if you want. It's open for you to come up here and just listen to this whisper and take some bread and dip it in this cup and just say, I hear that whisper. That whisper's who I am. The dark cups are wine. The white cups are juice. They're both good. They're both for you and they're both a good whisper, a powerful whisper. Real quick, um, we're always trying to find like, what can we practically do with all the information that we learn here? Just so it's not this one-time Sunday deal. So we can go out of here and really get into it. So here's my challenge to you. And I know that probably most of you are going to say, ah, that's crazy. Spend an hour this week in a place that's going to be as, as far away from distractions as possible. Not even while you're hiking, not when you're driving, none of those things. Not even around your kids. Just try to be so far away for one hour that even if there's a long process like me of 45 minutes or if you jump right into it put yourself in a situation where you can hear whispers from God okay and uh, that's my challenge to you let's try to make this whole church thing less of a Sunday thing but more of a Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday thing okay a um, couple things if you like prayer if you